Welcome to Defining Endurance, a podcast focused on providing actionable insights for endurance athletes. Whether you're an athlete just getting started in endurance sports or a veteran looking to gain an edge, the Defining Endurance podcast is here to ask curious questions with athletes and fitness professionals, and most importantly, dive deep on current training topics so you can become the best version of yourself. Let us wait no longer. Let's dive into this week's episode. Welcome back to a new episode of Defining Endurance. I'm your host, Andrew Simmons. And today, we're going to do another solo episode. Uh, For this episode, we're going to kind of keep on the theme of talking about all things training. Specifically today, we're going to dive into speed work. And if nothing else, we'll call it workouts. This tends to be one area where every coach across the board has a different view of what workouts are, how they apply to an athlete, what is the progression, how does it all work. And I thought, you know what, it's time. It's time for me to share with all of you kind of how I view workouts and really kind of break it down from for you guys from my standpoint as a coach. Um, again, I could talk for hours about the minutia of workouts and how to apply things when and for what distance. By majority, uh, today I'm going to kind of keep things uh, into the realm of the marathon. I could easily talk about the half, the 5K, and even on down into the track. Um, But I kind of want to give you guys um, a step back into where we were. Uh, In the last solo episode we did, we talked all about energy systems. And that's really what's most important here when it comes to workouts is If we're going to work out, if we're going to take the time to put the energy into output, we've got to make sure that our energy systems are being developed and or are developed enough to handle the work. Uh, If you guys remember from that previous episode, uh, we talked about lactic buildup. We talked about glycolysis and the idea of utilizing glycogen during our workouts and uh, becoming more efficient in how we use glycogen. Um, Really, when it comes down to the marathon, there's a lot to consider. Um, But let's just talk in general for a little bit about kind of where do things kind of fit. Uh, And by majority, you know, we've got our easy aerobic runs. That's the bottom. Uh, In terms of the next pace that really comes into there is going to be our marathon pace. This is going to be a sub-threshold aerobic pace, um, you know, steady, long, um, you know, ideally, uh, if we're going to do any of our marathon work, uh, we're not going to do more than 90 minutes continuously in our buildup. Uh, now granted you could do a long run that has more than 90 minutes of it, but the reality is, is you're not going to gain much benefit, just like you're not going to gain much benefit, uh, from doing a long run over three hours. And a lot of people will say, why is that coach? Well, the reality is that once you get over three hours, the recovery at a relatively you know, moderate aerobic pace is going to require more than 24 hours of recovery. Um, and that means that you're going to come into your next workout diminished, uh, meaning that you're not fully recovered. And again, sometimes that's a strategy, but my by majority... I want my athletes recovered from their long run as quickly as they can so we can continue to work on the, you know, 
high aerobic work, um, you know, whether, whether that's, um, you know, intervals or true speed work on a track, um, I want recovery. Uh, recovery is my number one thing, and that's making sure that my athletes uh, go into every session prepared to perform. Um, so if you're following along, uh, we went from easy to marathon pace. Um, and then in terms of pace, um, I actually put hills kind of into the next section. And hills could be anything from running or bounding. Um, bounding is a whole nother conversation for another time. Um, but typically for me as a coach, I'm going to max my athletes out at about three minutes um, for hills. With the exception of some of my more high-performance athletes, we may do some uphill um, continuous work, 5K or 10K up a moderate hill if we have one. Granted, living here um, in the Front Range of Colorado, those things are easier to find than other places. Um, and this is just a great way to do some continuous high threshold work um, and just, you know, really developing that pattern of, you know, great knee drive um, and a great neuromuscular stimu stimulus to keep driving forward, a great forward lean. That's why we're going to do that long uphill work. Next thing in terms of pace is actually going to be threshold. Um, and when we talk threshold, um, you know, we're talking 20 to 60 minutes of work time. Um, and this is usually broken down into five minutes. Um, as we get later in the cycle, we're going to go 20 minutes at a time. Um, you know, people call this tempo intervals. They call this cruise intervals. Um, you could even consider threshold work to be a fartlek. Um, you know, by majority, uh, threshold is where we're seeing that respiratory rate change. Um, and we're going from a normal aerobic breathing pattern like you would out for an easy run um, to a higher, uh, you know, breath cadence. Um, the next thing that really falls into here is race paces um, in terms of true paces. Um, what we're seeing here is, you know, you're going to be two mile to half marathon um, in terms of, you know, pace. You're going to be over threshold at this point. Um, the half marathon may still be um, underneath your threshold, but if we're talking anyone that's running faster than maybe 90 minutes in the half, you're working, you know, at or above your threshold. I like to think that normally 10K is our threshold line, um, but if you are a high performer or a, a moderate performer, um, you can run threshold for your 13.1 your miles. Um, anyone underneath, uh, you know, 75 minutes is for sure running um, at, at their threshold, if not faster. We start to then move further on up. Um, and now this is where we really start to see the, the energy systems um, start to become uh, really finite. Um, our marathon pace, you know, is, you know, still a lot of free fatty acid. We move into hill training and depending on how short they are, um, you know, we could go into the ATP CP systems um, or just ATP. Um, and this is adenosine triphosphate and creatine phosphate. Uh, and these are anaerobic energy systems, uh, which means that we're not actually using uh, glycogen um, or, um, you know, free fatty acid, excuse me, um, for fuel, uh, we're just, you know, doing an anaerobic, um, you know, energy process, uh, using what's on board in our muscles. And I think what I want people to really understand here is that it isn't this finite spectrum that, okay, if it's under eight seconds, it's ATP CP. Our bodies actually go through a process of like, we're going to start with free fatty acid and then we're going to move to, you know, glyc 
glycogen, and then we're going to move to ATP, CP. Um, and the reason we do those short little sprints, we do strides and we do things like that um, that are hard is to build our body's ability to change over those energy systems and to get more comfortable exchanging energy systems. Um, and just so I can get you guys caught up on the energy system side of things, threshold, right? It's it's a great line in the sand because that's when we see the greatest mixture uh, change from being free fatty acid over into glycogen. Um, and that's where that race pace, that's why we're taking in fuel, um, you know, taking in gels, taking in all those things, because we can replace a certain amount of glycogen um, at a race pace. Now, granted, when we're racing really short, you know, the 5k, the 10k, we don't have enough time to physiologically, you know, take in, absorb, process, and utilize glycogen. Um, and it's also not really necessary underneath uh, a race like the half marathon because um, you've got enough on board. You're not going to get into a, a place of glycogen depletion, um, you know, in a 10K. Um, you're going to get close. It's going to, you're not going to feel good. You're going to feel your energy start to um, diminish for sure. But, you know, if you've done the right training, if you've done it in the right direction, um, you should be pretty darn strong throughout. Um, it may just be more of a pacing issue rather than I'm, you know, <laughs> physically running out of fuel, um, glycogen, um, to utilize. Um, so now kind of bringing that all back up, we're at the kind of intervals, VO2 max, um, VO2 max, you know, depending on what you read and where you read it, these intervals kind of max out at three to five minutes. Um, and this is where we want to start to talk a little bit more about rest. Um, VO2 max type intervals, um, you know, we're, we're looking for at least equal recovery here um, as we start to get sharper and build up towards, you know, closer to our race. Um, we're going to want to start to diminish our recovery. We're going to want to work in a slightly more acidic environment. We're going to want to, the desire to, um, you know, have less rest to kind of, you know, build up our our ability to run at race pace. Um, the reason we want to do that is our bodies have become more adapted to, you know, running uh, at these paces, buffering the lactate and recovering. Um one of the best ways I like to, to think about recovery, um, we'll get to, um, but I want to make sure we get through everything here. We're going to move into, you know, after VO2, uh, if we're thinking five minutes or up to five minutes, we're beyond race pace, we're faster than our two-mile pace, and we're really into the, you know, sprinting uh, near all-out efforts, uh, and we end up into the glycolytic kind of short intervals, um, strides. Um, you know, you could do up to two minutes on these. These would be some pretty hard all out, um, you know, 600 meter reps, 800 meter reps where you're going to, you know, have, you know, you're going to need, um, you know, full recovery and full recovery to kind of give you guys an idea when we're talking about non-glycolytic systems, um, excuse me, um, Yes, non-glycolytic systems, meaning that we're using um, and going through the, the process of glycolysis and, and fully recovering, um, you know, right at that, that ATP, um, alactic type of threshold area, again, this is a secondary threshold, um, 
what we're really looking at is four to eight minutes for full recovery. Um, and this is to, you know, fully replenish your ATP CP systems. And that's why, you know, it, whether you ran in high school, um, or if you're, you know, trying to race the mile, um, and you're getting these reps, uh, prescribed these reps that are 400 meters or 200 meters, you know, on five to six minutes of rest in between, it's so you're fully recovered. You might feel, you know, physically recovered. Your heart rate might be down in two or three minutes, but your body is still buffering the lactate because you're flooding that system with so much that it, it takes time to titrate, you know, all of that out of your blood. Your, your body basically kind of has to filter that out. Um, so that's kind of where we run into that with the glycolytic, alactic type systems. Alactic, to kind of give you guys an idea, less than 10 seconds, less than 150 meters. These are absolutely short. These are all out. You know, these could even be some really, really short hills that are just blindingly hard. Uh, when we talk marathon, we talk half marathon, we're, we're not doing this work. This isn't work um, that's really necessary uh, for us to do because we're not going to get a, a, a huge benefit out of this. It's good to do every once in a while. It's good to uh, do it from a neuromuscular perspective. I think sprinting is great for distance runners to do. Um, because it forces you to hold form and kind of find where, where your weaknesses might be. But the reality is that we tend to live um, in the VO2 max to threshold world for workouts if we're not trying to hit race pace. And that's okay. Um, you know, that's, that's the demands of the marathon and the half marathon. Um, you know, we're going we're gonna to touch on paces below that. Um, and this is where, you know, I, I really like a guy like Brad Hudson uh, as a coach. Um, I learned a lot from him um, having been coached um, in his group. Um, you know, he really talked a lot about the idea of keeping all of your system sharp. Um, and that's why, you know, you'd regularly see hills every two weeks. You're going to see reps at race pace, you know, inside every two weeks. And it's trying to think about, you know, making sure that you're keeping all your systems in check, but making sure that you're still progressing. Um, so that that's really kind of what I want you guys to to think about here in terms of like, how does it all build up? Like where does tempo and threshold running kind of fit? And this is that race pace threshold. Um, you know, for example, we can talk now uh, more about workouts and recovery. Um, you know, if you're going to do a tempo run, you know, to, to really get the benefits, um, you're going to want to go out, you know, one to two mile warm up, you know, 20 minutes at a tempo pace, 10 minutes of cool down, um, you could also do, if you're early on in a cycle, when you're still getting used to a, a target pace, you know, you may want to break that down into, you know, four reps of five minutes at tempo pace with two minutes recovery. And really what you're doing there is you're building up your body's ability to manage that load. That's what training really is, is that we're, 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 we're saying, okay, I'm at 135 for the half. I want to get to 132 or 130. I need to hit these paces first at a at a level that I can manage and then slowly build it up. And then once we've gotten to a place where we're able to maintain it for, say, 10K, um, you know, uh, uh, for, for instance, your half marathon pace or your marathon pace, 
Now we can start to break that down and build our ability to manage faster than that pace. And don't use that 10K threshold um, as as any sort of line in the sand. It's just an example. Um, and, you know, this is where you, you have to start to really think that, you know, r- recovery from these intervals needs to be enough that for your last effort um, in sort of a tempo interval or threshold interval, you're able to recover but still have it be a hard pressure type event. Like you should feel something pretty, pretty, uh, it should be pretty darn hard that last five minutes. When it comes to your health and longevity, you hold nothing back. You understand what it means to push harder, reach farther, and go the extra mile. This relentless drive runs in your blood. That's why Inside Tracker provides you with a personalized plan to build strength, speed recovery, and optimize your health for the long haul. Created by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics, Inside Tracker analyzes your blood, DNA, and fitness tracking data to identify where you're optimized and where you're not. You'll get a daily action plan with personalized guidance on the right exercise, nutrition, and supplementation for your body. And when you connect Inside Tracker with your Fitbit or Garmin, you'll unlock real time recovery pro tips after you complete your workout. It's like having your own personalized trainer and nutritionist in your pocket. For a limited time, you can get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com forward slash defining endurance. That's insidetracker.com forward slash defining endurance. but not impossible. It should still be within reach. It shouldn't feel like an all-out sprint for those five minutes. That means you've got too aggressive of a pace, and that's not the intention of tempo, right? When we think about tempo, um, what what I want you to, to see here is is tempo is is a very controlled environment. Tempo is not, you know, a a really super high heart rate. By majority, this is your zone three work. Um, And I realized in the last, uh, you know, uh, discussion we had in a solo episode, I talked about trying to avoid this area. Um, And this is where it's like, wait, so race pace is zone three, but I don't want to go out and run zone three. Give it to me straight here, coach. Well, the reality is, is that I don't want you to go out and run every day at zone three. When we go out and we're consistently running and saying, well, the more I run at marathon pace, the, the better off I'm going to be. And that's, that's wrong. Just, I'll put that out there, line in the sand. Going out and trying to run that pace every single day is going to get you injured. It's going to get you overtrained. Um, that's not the way to go about this. This is where tempo, pace, and things like that, it is a very structured workout. So with with all that kind of considered that's tempo pace. This is about building your ability to manage a pace, right? We're not going out. You shouldn't feel like you're sprinting for a half marathon or a marathon. It should be a very controlled, um, you know, type of work. Um, when we start talking speed work, this is where I want to break down for you guys a little bit more about how I build things up for athletes. Um, when it comes down to it, I like to start with hill training. Um, for speed work. So before I have an athlete step on the track, I give them hills. I give them hills 16 weeks out to 20 weeks out. Um, Just from the standpoint that it's very, very difficult to run hills incorrectly. 
Um, you know, you're forced to lean forward, you're forced to midfoot strike, um, you know, you have to go through a high range of motion um, to run up hills. And I start with very short hills, not quite a lactic, you know, moving more towards kind of still VO2 max hill, uh, glycolytic type reps, um, where we're doing a walk recovery on the way down. And as we move out of a hills phase, we're jogging these down. Um, and these are intended to be, you know, somewhere between 10K down to two mile type effort, depending on what the athlete has started with. Um, and, and starting with hills gives a great neuromuscular response um, just from the standpoint that um, you have to stay engaged with that, you know, high range of motion um, that drive the whole time. Um, but don't always look at hills as having to be an all-out effort. Um, that's a really hard way to start any training cycle, um, and it's just not super necessary. Um, the goal of these early on and early hills is to build muscular strength, as I said, neuromuscular ability, um, and really just you know build your comfort with running hard again. Um, hills hills aren't super fun um, unless you look at it as you know it's a fun game. I'm going to try and get you know uh, three steps further than I did on the last one, the last one, the last one. Um, and so I like to keep, you know, these early hills, um, you know, inside of 40 seconds um, early on, uh, just from the standpoint that um, much longer becomes daunting when you're not fit. Uh, it's not fun to suffer that long uh, when you're not fit. But we'll do eight to 10 of these. Um, and, you know, we can progress anywhere from starting at 20 seconds and working up to that 40 minute mark. Um, and with that, early on, I like to start to give um, some tempo paces, you know, kind of building it up for maybe 12 minutes, you know, on up to 20 to 22 minutes, um, you know, in that first four weeks or so of a cycle, uh, just from the standpoint that getting out, running continuously at a target pace, um, even if that pace is far away from goal pace, um, you know, we're 16 to 20 weeks out, and we've got plenty of time. Um, as I kind of move into the next phase of training, um, again, I am a general to specific type of coach. I like to start very general, build basic energy systems, and be able to assess my athlete. Um, and I'm going to give a hypothetical, you know, great situation. Um, but if that athlete's adapted well, and by the end of that early tempo phase, um, we're, we're touching on goal half marathon pace or marathon pace um, without an astronomical heart rate, we're in a good spot. Uh, this athlete is relatively fit, um, is not coming directly off the couch. Um, this is where I'll start to move into, you know, some early uh, speed work um, and still may transition them uh, into doing some flat into hills. Um, for instance, if, I, if there's a nice 400 meter hill that's got a flat section below it, um, one of my great transition workouts that I love, I actually wrote an article about this in Podium Runner, is flat to hills. Uh, and this is doing 200 meters of work at pace uh, and, and just setting setting a pace for yourself. Call it, you know, 630. Um, and your goal is to try to maintain that 
that effort as you turn and take that final 200 meter hill. Now, if you're feeling really good, you might be able to maintain that pace. Um, and these are just great workouts to kind of work on getting that turnover, setting yourself into position, and then being able to go and hold that pace um, up the hill builds great power. It's something I like to do a lot with my youth cross country kids. Uh, it teaches them how to power into a hill and even timing of when do you need to kind of change that effort level on a hill? Where are you spotting um, to be able to, to push your way up the hill? A um, little more relevant in cross country, um, but still a great workout transition. Um, and this is especially prevalent if I have an athlete that's dealing with high hamstring pain um, or, you know, isn't quite um, or has had a history of, of struggling with injuries when we start to build into um a cycle. Um, I'll leave out strength training because it's a vital and important part at this phase. Um, and we'll talk about that in another episode. But this is where I start to move into intervals. And I like to do a very general progression depending on how much time I have. I like to start my athletes at 200 meters um, and then work up to roughly, you know, 1K repeats, maybe, uh, you know, 1200 meter repeats. Um, and we're working, you know, in a range of, you know, 10K to 5K type pace. Um, you know, these are strict intervals, you know, this might start off at, uh, you know, for an early athlete, a beginner 12 by 200 up to 20 by 200 for a more, um, you know, uh, a higher performer, not, not an elite, but a, but a, a really solid amateur. Um, and then kind of continuing to work all the way up until we get to about 1200 meters. Um, you know, we can do mile repeats. They're good. Um, this kind of falls for me mentally more towards a threshold type interval. Um, and this is where we're going to do, you know, eight minute intervals up to 10 minute intervals. Um, even 15 minute intervals as we get later on in the cycle. But that next, you know, four to six weeks for me is about, you know, threshold development, VO2 max development, um, you know, and these are going to be on longer rests. Those 200s I talked about earlier, those might be 200 on 200. Um, and that's a long workout at 20 reps, but if you've got the mileage and the capacity to back it up, no issue. Um, and so this is, again, I'm going to slot in some hills occasionally to keep, keep in touch with that energy system, but also that power development. And so if I'm doing on the track, say 1200 meter intervals, um, and this is at six minute pace, that's four and a half minutes of, you know, hard continuous running. Well, I'm going to go out and also do that in terms of a hill, but I'm going to shorten it. I'm going to do about three minutes. Um, and, and this is going to be similar energy systems, um, but we're getting that great neuromuscular development. We're locking in that drive. We're building strength. So what I will say right here is that as I build an athlete up is I have to start, you know, when we're about 12 weeks out, we really have to start thinking about what are the specific demands of the race? What's necessary here? Um, what's, what's really important? And this is where we're going to want to use our workouts to help simulate that. Um, so that might mean that it's going to be trended more towards hills. If it's a flat race, speed work is totally fine. But those threshold workouts for a flat you know, race, vitally, vitally important. Um, locking into that pace, relaxing, feeling smooth, super, super important. 
So let's transition now to the later portions, right? This kind of meat in the middle here can be split up many different ways, and I could talk for hours about it, but what what we don't have here is what are the specific demands um, you know, that this, this athlete has uh, that they need to pre prep for. Um, so as we start to taper out, you know, I like to do things that tend to build confidence. Uh, so I like to repeat workouts in this phase. Um, I like to give 400s. They're great turnover. They're easy to conceptualize. Um, you know, my final workouts for a marathoner, I really like three by 15 minutes. I really like three by 5k, uh, at marathon pace and mixing that into a long run. Um, I like to give in the last, you know, four to six weeks, I like to give specific endurance work. Uh, this means going out and hitting your, your marathon pace for multiple miles, um, during, you know, your, your long run, uh, where you're doing, you know, 5k or three by 5k at your goal marathon pace. There's a, a bajillion workouts you can do here. Um, and it's really about knowing your athlete and, and what's needed there. Um, and I'm not trying to be, you know, you know, lacking any specificity here, but there's just so much there. Um, this is where, you know, as a coach or even as an athlete, you know, you have to figure out for you, you know, what needs work because it's not always, um, you know, what's holding you back from performance isn't always your physical development. It could be your hydration plan. It could be your ability to take in nutrition um, at those paces. It's being comfortable and relaxing. Um, it's about changing up your pace when you're running. Um, you know, being able to to change over. This is why I prefer rolling courses versus flat courses uh, for PRs with athletes. Is that we're changing up what muscles we're using. If you're going to go out and find a dead flat race, like sure, it's it can be fast. Um, but you know, if you're if you're locked into a pace um, and you start to slip, it's really hard. Whereas you know, going up a small hill, going down a small hill, it's just enough of a change up that we're we're utilizing different you know muscular systems. You know, using the glute a little bit more. You know, using the the, the quad a little bit more, and not just firing that same order over and over. And the same thing applies for training. It's super important to change that up because. You know, what's a repetitive stress injury uh, if not using the same thing, hitting the same pace at the same gate over and over? So don't always go for the run that's going to give you the easiest and best results. You know, it's great to see that you're 10 seconds faster on pace because you're on a dead flat course. But if that's not the course that you're going to go run, well, you're also not preparing yourself mentally for how that's going to feel and how to build that self-trust. Um so again, aside, I got into a tangent there about, you know, how we should mentally prep, but when it comes to workouts, when it comes to speed workouts, as we start off early, a high amount of rest, as we get into the later cycles, the meat and potatoes of training, we're going to want to kind of narrow down our recovery, shorten that down that if we're doing, you know, 400s on 60, might move that to 400s on 45 uh, and still being able to confidently hit the pace that we've set there for ourselves. So again, I wanted to keep these individual episodes kind of short. I hope these things are helpful. I hope these things are fun. I know they're nerdy, um, but you know what I've heard from a lot of you guys that give us great feedback in our Lifelong Endurance Athletes and Coaches group is you want 
some of this nerdy stuff sometimes. Uh, you guys want to hear about training. You guys want to talk about the the minutia. Um, so again, this is kind of my personal look at speed work um, and my personal view on how to progress an athlete. But the number one thing when it comes down to it is this, and if you're listening to this and you've ever worked with me, um, the, the, the rule book gets thrown out the, the window when we have to deal with life. And that's where we really have to be able to have a, a, a conversation and communication um, as athlete and coach. So if you're out there, if you're listening, um, I highly, highly encourage you guys to uh, work with a coach if you've never worked with one. It doesn't have to be me. I'm just giving you guys some insight into how I work and how our coaches work. But again, all of us coach differently. All of us have a, a different view on how to get results. Um, but at the end of the day, um, what's most important is that if you're going to have a coach, have a relationship, be able to talk to them, be able to ask questions, be able to understand why they're doing what they're doing when they're doing it. So with all that said, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you want, go into our Lifelong Endurance Athletes and Coaches group. Let us know that you found us on the podcast. If you guys are feeling it, if you guys love this episode, if it was awesome, hop in, give us a review. It's hugely helpful for us. One, I want to hear how we're doing. Uh, but also two, this helps us as we try to find sponsors, as we try to, uh, you know, take this passion project and make it into something um, that you guys are going to find helpful and beneficial. So all that said, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Defining Endurance, talking all about speed work. I look forward to having a little more one-on-one -on -one time here into the future.